For 40 years, Sandals has been crafting escapes of five-star luxury and romance throughout the Caribbean. Our new Palmcast takes you inside our five-star resorts with exclusive insights and stories you won't want to miss. Come explore the future of luxury-included travel and the best of the Caribbean. So kick up your feet, get some shade. This is the Sandals Palmcast. So we are here with Jerlene, who is the Marine Sanctuary Manager here. Is that right? Yes, it is. What, what, what is that? What do you do? Well, from uh, on a day-to-day basis, we manage a marine protected area. Um, it's a no-take zone. It's uh, gazetted under law. Um, so there are various pieces of legislation that speaks to the protection of this area. So from on a day-to-day basis, I'll have wardens or myself who will be out doing various things. It depends on the day. No two days are the same. Wait, 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 wait. Te- <laughs> technically, are you a warden? Is that right? I am a game warden. Which, oh, that's so cool! Which is a authorized officer under the Section 13 of the Wildlife Protection Act that's under the National Environmental and Planning Agency. In addition to that, I am also a fishery inspector who has uh, duties to enforce the Fisheries Act of Jamaica. And those two pieces of legislation that I just spoke of are two of the four pieces of legislation that governs our area. So where, where if, if, is, is there a specific sanctuary or is it just basically every, all of the coastline of Jamaica? Oh no, we would love that. Yeah, right. However, we have to understand that a lot of Jamaicans do depend on fishing, especially mm. in more impoverished uh, communities. Mm-hmm. A lot of persons do depend on fishing and so we have to strike a balance. So there are areas that fishing is not regulated but right around the island there are 18 fish sanctuaries right around the entire island spanning from east portland east portland i believe no white river which is down the road from us in in saint anne mm-hmm. is the latest the latest sanctuary saint, that's saint anne up. which is the uh, parish right the next door we're uh, currently us, in right. saint mary and uh, sorry, I was studying up on my G- <laughs> Jamaican geography. So three parishes consecutively, there are marine protected areas. So there's one in East Portland, and then there's then there are two basically here. There's the Rockabess, and then there's us in close vicinity, and then there is the the White River that's further down the road from us, and all along the coast, going all around all the way around to the south coast of Jamaica, that is run by the SeaCam Foundation. There are 18 sanctuaries here. So what what is it like uh, like the sanctuaries themselves? You it's it's a protected area where it, it, there's no fishing allowed, obviously. No take zone. No Nothing take zone. at all. Whether it's dead or alive, and fish. A lot of persons would think that the word or the term fish is just describing a physical fish mm. in the ocean. Well, under the law, a fish is anything aquatic, anything that's in the water, dead or alive. So, so wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, if, if I put on my mask and go out there, does that make me a fish? Well, no. I'm in the water. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Things that actually live All in right, that space. All right, fine, fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Well, my mom used to come when I was so young. I spent so much time in the water. She says she called me a fish. Oh, she's wow. like you're like a fish. You live in the water. So I, I would be, I would be thrilled to be officially designated as a fish. <laughs> okay, well, when you love something, you love it, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> 
So what? Yeah. What? What is a typical day like? What? What do you get to do on a regular basis? I I assume you would spend a lot of time out on the water. We do spend a lot of time out on the water, mainly due to the fact that monitoring and evaluation is one of our primary duties here. Mm. Um, the presence of our warrants, our patrol vessels, is paramount to the success of this protected area. If yeah. we are not here, persons, there are violations, and we limit that as much as we can. But I like to say the success of the protected area works to its demise because once we are not here, right, you have to be you rise. have to be seen in order to we kind have of have that enforcement. Exactly, our sure. presence is paramount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on a day-to-day basis, we're here. We're patrolling. I have my team of. We're a team of six. I have five wardens plus myself who actively go out and patrol the area on a day-to-day basis. We have sometimes, it d- depends, there are 24 hours coverage sometimes. When we don't have 24, we have at least 16 hours coverage per day. So that is wow. very good compared yeah. to some other areas that I know of. How long, how long have the sanctuary areas uh, existed? So we were established in... 2010. However, we started our, uh, actively managing the area in June 2013, on mm. June 1st, 2013. So, yeah, it was established in 2010, but then you were finally able to actually monitor it. Exactly. And what, how is, how, what, you know, how has it changed since then? What are some of the successes that you've had along the way? These successes are significant. Yeah. Okay, there's a little story. So I have a warden, Mr. Errol Broomfield. When we just started working here, we would normally take our gears and just go snorkeling just to see what's happening. So to the eastern end, um, we had named that area Dead Man's Reef because there was literally nothing. The only thing we saw there when we snorkeled the first time we did was a dead sea urchin. Wow. Right now... It is the biomass of, of organisms. It, it, it is, it's plummeted. It's, it's, it's through the roof right now. Through our biophysical data surveys as conducted annually with the National Environmental and Planning Agency, we have seen where we were able to increase our fish biomass to close to 2,000%. Wow. Uh, yes, and that's within, say, a six years period. Um, we were able to reduce our macroalgae coverage by 84%. We have increased our coral coverage close to 50%. We do have an active uh, coral restoration program that takes place here um, where we've trained community persons to, you know, get them scuba certified. Mm. And we've also trained them into taking care of our coral Mm. nursery. So we have persons from the community as well as us wardens who will go out. We will maintain the structures and for the coral that's grown in the nursery because it's a water base and they're growing in basically growing in mid-water so once they are grown to a beginning of size probably within a three to, to six month period depending on you know water quality and a lot of different factors then we will remove them from that area and we plant, transplant them onto you know areas of the reef where we think it is conducive once they're you once they're once kind they're of at a point enough. where they can su- sustain themselves right because coral takes a long time doesn't it it does take a long time and what our our coral restoration program is does it is it sets the 
the coral reef on a trajectory path to recovery. Um, so once we outplant our corals, yes, we do go down and we ensure that the you know predation such as you know snails, fireworms, stuff like that, will try to rid the area, overgrown algae, stuff like that. And I'm I am pleased to say that we do have a very good survivorship rate of over ninety percent. Wow. And we have been doing this since 2015. That's amazing. What sort of things does does the sanctuary offer for the community? Are there ways that people can get involved? I mean, are there ways that even visitors can get involved? Because, I mean, you know, you spend the day out there snorkeling and scuba diving. I'm happy to come help. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yes. We have ways that everyone can be involved. So we try to um, incorporate. So Sandals Foundation stands for community, education, environment. With the Marine Sanctuary, it encompasses all of that, mm. in, you know, in a nutshell. And so we have an, an active uh, public education program we have uh, where we go to various you know institutions say whether it be schools or you know we have a community group that we have formed well two community groups we have formed since we've started operating there's the Stewarton Rainover Fishers Association and then there's the Boscobel uh, Fishers Association those persons we try to work with them a lot but we rather to work with persons who are well organizations rather than an individual sure and so we encourage persons to form themselves into little groups and stuff where we can so we work through those mediums so we're very active um actively working with both groups currently and we still go into the communities and whatever it is that we can buoy cleaning so our our Marine protected area has demarcation markers that marks the boundaries. And from time to time, those have to be maintained. So we'll hire persons from within the community. You will pay them a little stipend, take them out, and they can clean the surface. Yeah. That's an opportunity to educate them a little more. Mm-hmm. And they get to see, you know, firsthand what's going on. And as I mentioned before, for our coral restoration, we have trained thus far up to four community members in coral restoration work and they're they've been active with us um ever since and as it goes on and their opportunities arise we incorporate the community as much as possible because one of the things i i i am sure of having the community behind you contributes to the success sure. of the protected yeah and, and that's what i was going to say it's it's not just going out there and, and doing the work but it's yeah. trying to educate the community so that all that work that you're doing doesn't just get wiped away immediately exactly yeah. and you know managing a marine sanctuary it's not just about managing you know resources. it's managing people as mm-hmm. well and their mm-hmm. behaviors and their perceptions and their expectations so it it there's a, a lot surrounding the management of the protected, sure. of the protected area. So what are, what are the future plans? Uh, you've, you said you have 18 sanctuaries around the island. Where, where, where would you like to see that go over the next few years? Well, over the next few years, so Jamaica has a Vision 2030 plan. And within that vision, we're hoping to protect at least 30% of our marine space by then. Currently, we are way off. We are probably 2%. Oh, wow. <laughs> a little more or less, but not much wiggle room. Mm. Um, and so we have what we call a Jamaica Fish Sanctuary Network, where the uh, funders and managers of all 18 fish sanctuaries, we have a platform that we meet on. We'll 
discuss you know issues that affects your various sanctuaries and you know if there's anything universal to all of these sanctuaries then as a as a network group we try to advocate towards getting things you know into a better perspective what sort of wildlife do you see out there there are a lot of turtles around yeah that's so i've had reports from my wardens and guests here on property during the the night time so the lights come on around the docks and I've never seen that before but for some reason we have turtles since 2021 we've had turtles in the nights big turtles swimming around our docks right here wow um, we don't do a lot of turtle nesting down here because of the the topography of our coastline it's mm -hmm. a bit rocky and hard and so that is where milk comes in over in Arakabesa. Yeah. we do have our time to time when turtles will come up and they will lay but we have to call mel to say hey you need to come and remove these come and take watch these yeah here, come watch or, over you know, this monitor one. it or yeah. something we've seen also we see a lot of barracudas yeah. a lot of barracudas out here um in the harbor and outside um there are a lot of different species of fish i would say there are a lot of what i see around a lot especially in the harbor the coastline and the, the reef are a lot of herbivores um and those i think contribute to the decrease in macroalgae up to 84 percent mm. decrease in that because they do clean the reefs and so we try to encourage persons try not to take these species from the area because they are so important because they're helping yeah they're helping so there are a lot of parrot fishes there are a lot of grunts there are a lot of um doctor fishes snappers we will see we don't see a lot of macro predators but from time to time we will see nurse sharks as we go on dives out there or there might be uh, nurse sharks are cute yes, they are they're like cuddly <laughs> sharks <laughs> But we do have, you know, little instances where we see a, a black tip reef shark or we will see, we've seen a tiger shark oh, wow. once out here, but not, those sightings are not very often. Just passing through. Just passing through. <laughs> <laughs> How has climate change affected the, the sanctuaries, if at all? Yes, it has. It has affected us somewhat. Um, so the warming of the ocean for our coral restoration program our corals in general yeah um 2016 2016 2018 between those years we had el nino mm -hmm. and el nino and we had the biggest coral beaching event during that really? year the entire coral nursery all the corals in the nursery they were bleached white oh. however they did unfortunately they did recover they did fully recover there is also i believe coastal erosion that we we have, we have documented that taking place and you can document that with just a, a mere photograph yeah. we've been operating for nine years now photographs in 2013 versus a photograph in 2022 vast difference you'll see the erosion of the coastline the the um sea level rise it's it's see the water is going places it it wasn't before and basically that's just about what we're experiencing here on an island that's very scary <laughs> that that is <laughs> and that is why we try to you know and this is why i think i believe sanctuary should be looked upon as important as i know they are because there are a lot of mitigation um, methods that sanctuaries do um 
support or engage pollution yeah you know and and this is why our outreach program is so is so important to us because we go out we go to tell us it's it's easier to get compliance when you actually persons actually know what are you explain to persons why they shouldn't do this or versus right. you know just say hey don't do that sure they don't know why i mean they will continue to do it or they'll try to test your you know your authority or something like yeah. that yeah like my kids <laughs> <laughs> don't there, do that there you go but once you tell them why you show them the impacts it's having right. and that's why we like to share our data surveys with them over the years to show yeah. them how we've grown you know where the problems are you know how we can correct this you know just little things like that yeah is is there a way that visitors, guests, or, or anyone can, can get involved or help out? Yes, there is. So we have here on properties, it's uh, offered by our dive, our aqua center. There's a coral nursery dive. Um, yes. So on that dive, so there are various things that can be done. Uh, persons will take persons down. Um, we'll assist them to, you know, maintain clean the structures or nurse the structures. We'll, first, it starts with a classroom session. We go in, we'll tell the persons how it is, you know, what to expect on this dive, what we'll be doing on this dive. Once we're out there, it's basically either cleaning the structures or if we there's an, an out plan to be done, we'll have the guests participate in planting these corals onto the reef. And I think that is something that most of our guests here look forward to. Sure. Sticking a piece of coral and saying, hey, I left my mark there in Jamaica. Yeah. It makes the, the, the experience or the vacation experience a whole lot more meaningful. So, yeah, it's it's it's... I mean, it's it's like an excursion, but it's also an educational opportunity there and an opportunity to, to, to help the environment. There you go. In addition to that, we do have our lionfish specialty dives, um, where because lionfish are invasive species, and if they are left here, our tropical fish would be wiped out because yeah. lionfish reproduce at rates three times higher than our tropical fish here. Wow. And so we we have our lionfish culling program where from a sanctuary standpoint, the sanctuary team will go out and they will just go in because we are fishery inspectors. We are authorized to go in. So within a protected area, nothing is to be removed. You need a special license. So even us as fishery inspectors, we have to be authorized, equipped with our license to go in to remove even invasive species. Right, lionfish. right. Are lionfish good to eat? Are they tasty? Excellent. Well, I think those are one of the best Perfect. eating fish in the in the entire, you know, fisheries water. So Problem solved. <laughs> and that's what we do. So we'll take the guests out and we'll have them, you know, spare the fish. Or, yeah. And once they're returned here, they can take it to the chefs and the chefs can do make it however no the guests want. Yes, so so if, you, if you go on a dive and, and catch a fish that you can bring it back to the resort and they'll and they'll cook it for you? Yeah, well, it has to be a lionfish. Well, of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> yes. fantastic. So, so some of the things that we offer here. I love Sandals. that. That is great. What's for dinner tonight? Well, I caught this. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it's, it's very interesting. That is really interesting. I love that. What What are some of your favorite places to go and, and dive and explore? Are there... Okay, so there's the Boscabel Dome. That's just right outside of us here. Um, that's a little bit of a deeper dive. So if you want to go on a deep dive, the Boscabel Dome is, the, is an excellent place to go. You could go up to 100 and 
20 feet wow. there. Yeah. Um, so you're still within recreational diving limits. And then there's a Boscobel Flats that spans up to like 60 feet in depth up here. Then there to the far west, we have what we call Hidden Paradise. It's just beautiful down there, hence the name. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there are many different spots here all along this entire length and breadth. And we have some of the most healthy reefs within our the Boscobel protected area and that was found out through a, a annual reef health survey that is conducted by the National Environmental Planning Agency. Well, good for us but sad to say for Jamaica that our site here is the only site that ranked fair on this fair. that ranked fair. Everything else is poor or critical. Wow. So just to show you the level of, of where we need to go yeah, you know, to protect our reefs and our marine spaces here in Jamaica. So a lot more work to be done. Yeah, I was just going to say I that. Said, There's a lot we, more work to be done. It has to come from the top. Wow. Well, I, I love the fact that you, you're giving people the opportunity to get involved and, and to learn more. That's, I mean, that uh, it makes, for me, that makes for a great vacation. You know, it's, it's satisfying to know that you can do something to help out, but, uh, you know, that you're trying to educate the people around you as well. I think that's fantastic. Yes, it is. And we're happy to do so. Jerlene, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. All right. No problem. It was a pleasure. Thanks for joining us on the Sandals Palmcast. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when the next series drops. And remember, love is all you need because everything else is included.